none of this is new. Yeah. But it's things like technology will cost too much. Um, we can't afford to invest in top compensation and benefit levels. It's we can't find the right talent. Yeah. And I always say it's because you're not looking in the right places, but, <laughs> but that's a topic for another time. Um, I think honestly, it's a lot of excuses and it's people get comfortable doing what it is that they've always done. And they've been either very successful or somewhat successful up until that point. So the discomfort of changing, there's no real, to them, it's perceived that there's no real reason to need to change. But by the time companies realize that, that it's critical that they do, it's going to be too late. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Hacking HR podcast. As you know, by now, a lot of the conversations that are happening in the, in the workplace that are happening between business leaders and HR leaders is how is work and the workplace and the workforce going to look like after the pandemic? How are we going to change? How is our culture going to evolve in order to account for everything that has changed over the past 12, 18 months in terms of pandemic. And hopefully the re-architecting of that culture will help those organizations become more effective and be better at attracting and retaining, retaining the best talent in the world. So these conversations, which are now on top of the table and are crucial for the future of organizations, will continue to be critical as we evolve and as we figure out how to respond to the many questions that are coming up. So I am very excited to be sharing today with somebody who has been in the HR space, in leadership positions, in nonprofits, in biotech, in healthcare for a long time. Somebody who is incredibly passionate about building an architecting culture. And we are going to talk about this workplace culture post pandemic. So Vandy, welcome to the show. How are you? Thank you, Enrique. I'm well, thank you. How are you doing? Thanks for I'm having me. I'm doing well. Thank you so much for joining me in the, in the show today in this incredible, incredible conversation about this idea of how culture will look like post-pandemic. And, and I want to begin here. You know, a, a lot of the challenges that we are dealing with today in the workplace are not new. They, they are challenges that we are dragging from you know for a long time and they just got amplified by the pandemic so but we got to resolve them now because we know the implications of not solving those challenges so let me start by asking you this when you think about the the best workplace that we can build for the future what are the barriers preventing us to build that workplace that's a great question. And I've given it a lot of thought because as someone who helps architect that culture and helps the leadership build that culture, it's, it's really interesting what comes up. And to your point, Enrique, none of this is new, yeah. but it's things like technology will cost too much. Um, we can't afford to invest in top compensation and benefit levels. 
it's we can't find the right talent. Mm -hmm. And I always say it's because you're not looking in the right places, but, <laughs> but that's a topic for another time. Um, I think honestly, it's a lot of excuses and it's people get comfortable doing what it is that they've always done. And they've been either very successful or somewhat successful up until that point. So the discomfort of changing, there's no real, to them, it's perceived that there's no real reason to need to change. But by the time companies realize that, that it's critical that they do, it's going to be too late and they're not yeah. going to be able to pivot in time. Yeah. You know, em employees have a lot of demands right now. And as, as an HR professional, I say that being an employee too, but they're questioning things and rightfully so. Why do people need to go into an office place? Why, why can't people have flexibility in how and where they do their work? You know, understanding there's always caveats, but you know, it's things like that, paying attention to your, your employee base. Yeah, ab absolutely. And, and I like this idea of questioning everything. I mean, one thing that, um, you know, I, I was fired from a job before because of questioning everything in that job. And I, you know, the, 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 I always ask, why are we doing this in this way? I mean, I'm not even, it doesn't make sense, but I'm not even saying that. I am just questioning the, the way we do things. Um, I, I don't have the answer of what the best way to do things is, but I know that we're going in the wrong path. And to me, this, this, this idea of challenging the status quo, of questioning why we have to come to the office, why do we have to have employees working in this or that way? Why do we even have to work five days a week or eight to, eight to five or nine to five? So all of those, all of that, the idea of questioning all of these things, I, I'm hoping will lead us to a better place because then we're going to engage in deeper, powerful conversations out of which we hope to get the solutions to these challenges. And, and you know, I know, Vandy, you work with architecting culture. And one of the pieces that I love the most about culture is creating precisely the spaces for people to question things and allowing them to question things. Uh, when you dream about your dreamed culture, when you think about, you know what, my gosh, if this workplace that I'm imagining existed, it would be the place where everybody would want to work for. What, that, what, what does that culture look like? What is your dreamed culture? That is a great question. And I, would, I will answer that with the caveat that my dream culture might not be everyone's dream yeah. culture. So you have to stay flexible. So I, I always like the concept of frameworks. It's where people have the tools they need the support they need and the flexibility they need to do their best work. And what that looks like for me is gonna be very different than what that looks like for someone else. And just to go back to your, your statement about the questioning everything, you have to be a very strong leader to welcome that. Yeah. And I find that there are a lot of leaders who want to tell people what to do. And they think that that's what their job is. Their job is to know everything and to tell people what to do and how to get things done. And I always say, when I'm mentoring people, you would not believe the number of times I Google things every day as the head of HR. Like I just, 
I don't know everything. And I try to have a team of people who will challenge me and say, you're micromanaging me on this, or I think you're wrong on this and here's why. And I think that makes, makes me a better leader and a better HR person. And for leaders who don't want their status quo challenged, I think those are the companies that are going to have a hard time. Yeah. I, and, I, and I love that, by the way. And it makes me think about how much better it looks for a leader to say, I don't know, than trying to be the know-it-all and then making mistakes because of saying something or doing something in a way that never made sense. Everybody knew it didn't make sense, but that's what the leader wanted to do. And if there is, among the many things that I think we've learned over the past few months with the pandemic, if there's one thing that uh, sort of you know comes up in, in many conversations and in, in the reality of the workplace these days is the fact that leaders did not have the answers and they had to acknowledge that they didn't know what to do or how to do it. And that to me, far from being a bad experience, it was a fascinating thing to observe, you know, for leaders to say, I have no idea what we're going to do, guys. You know, are we going to go back to the office in one? Do you remember at the beginning of the pandemic, everybody oh. saying, it's going to be a couple of weeks, guys, we're going to be fine. 18 months later, it's still working from home, right? So right. that to me is the sign of a culture of humanity, vulnerability, and a stronger leadership than those that think that they know it all. Right. 100%. The pandemic taught us so much, and that is a podcast for another time. <laughs> but the amount of times in 2020 in particular that I said, I don't know, and people would respond saying, well, if you don't know who does, and it's, we're going to figure this out together. This, yeah. you know, not to overuse the unprecedented times, but we're charting new waters here. We, we've yeah. got to figure this out together. And it, it was humbling to have to admit that you didn't know the answers, but it was also really empowering yeah. to be able to go and figure them out and to ask people at all different levels, what is it that you need? How can I help you? Yeah. You know, it was just a really... It, it definitely has made me a better HR person for sure. Absolutely. And I love your use of the word empowering uh, because I'm guessing that you may have gone through this, but one, one thing that I observed was that through this experience of saying, I don't know, the, the teams got empowered to, to believe that they could be the ones coming up with the solutions to some of the problems, right. that it wasn't expected uh, from the leader him or herself anymore, but from everybody else. And that to me, you know, across the board, end to end was an empowering experience of everybody going through difficulties and everybody coming together to try to solve the challenges that we had. Bandi, right. I know you, you mentioned before that uh, you, you, you liked frameworks, right? But at the same time, frameworks vary and companies are different and your dream culture may be somebody else's, uh, you know, different uh, ideas for what a culture should be. But if you, if, if you were to set the foundations of a framework to think about what a good culture post-pandemic could look like, what, do, what those foundations would be? What, what do you think should be kept in mind from the HR perspective as they are architecting post-pandemic culture? 
I would say it all starts with the mission and the values. And a lot of times, you know, I could go on and on about this because it makes me crazy, but companies <laughs> will have a vision statement, a mission statement, post them on the walls, put them on nice cubes on everyone's desk and then never visit them again. And I'm a huge proponent of ingraining those, those values in everything you do. Um, I would say go, go back to that because I think that will really be a, a, a guide for what is important for that culture. Think about how you wanna reward people in this, in this new space. What, what will the flexibility look like? Are you going to do core hours a certain day a week in the office? Can people just do whatever works best for them? And then how do you collaborate? What's the type of technology that you use? How closely are policies going to be followed? What are you going to do to support working parents, people who choose to work remotely 100% of the time? How do you avoid the haves and the have nots? How do you keep things on a level playing field for all, all of your employees, all people in all positions? And I think that the values really drive that. Yeah, I, I, I've had a, a number of conversations where the, the, the concept of, of the values and the long-term, the why of an organization has been the, the grounding um, sort of element while they navigate through the chaos of the past 18 months. And that makes me think also that, uh, you know, this past 18 months have been of pandemic, but the next 18 months could be of technological disruption, political instability, uh, who knows what's going to happen, right? So it seems that the new, you know, rule in this life game is chaos, volatility, uh, complexity, the VUCA thing, you know, ambiguity, and us having to be able to ground the way we we work and, and what we do in our decisions on, on a long-term vision while providing flexibility on how to get there. Right, right. And I, you know, going back to, you know, the culture question, just give you a specific example of how I approach that cultural framework as I worked in health in one particular healthcare organization. And it was very financially driven for a lot of different reasons. And the prior leadership team would always lead meetings with the clinical staff with how we were doing financially. And the clinical staff did not care how we were doing financially. They cared about clinical outcomes. Were they making a difference? How their patients were doing? And once we switched that, we didn't stop talking about, about financials. We just stopped leading with it. Yeah. And that is just a great example of really understanding who your employees are, what they care about, and speaking to them so that you're motivating them. You, you can get them to do more visits and make you more money, but you don't do that by telling them how much money they've already brought in. Yeah. So you know what I love is, about that story? That probably it cost zero dollars to put it in place zero to change the to change the the leading of the conversation correct exactly and that's really where that the culture plays into well the values i should say play into your your culture and how you approach that so i i love the story of of what you are describing and this experience because it makes me think that there are changes that have so much impact in culture, that have so much impact in people's motivation and inspiration to come to work every day, and they don't cost anything. It's just 
you know, making changes that, once again, you know, they make sense uh, for the business and make sense for the people. So that that to me is, it's just powerful, right? And and it's a great message to HR when it comes to when it comes to understanding there are some things that cost money and some other things that just require the the willingness to make the changes. Exactly. There's probably a lot of low to no cost things that you can do to really impact the culture for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Vandy, as we, as we get closer to wrapping up our, our conversation, um, when, when you think about what's going to happen after, you know, the times of pandemic, which we don't know when that's going to be right now with the Delta variant and, and whatnot. Um, when you think about, about post-pandemic uh, workplace, you know, in a few months, maybe even years from now, um, what are you as a nature leader going to keep your eyes on with more, uh, you know, emphasis perhaps compared to what you were looking at before? That's a great question. For me, it's it's really breaking down where the work can be done and being as flexible as possible. So what I learned through this is each team member that I had as I checked in with them were struggling with very different things. So you would think that all of my team members, for example, with children had the same types of issues, but they don't everyone has a very different situation. And if you can meet people where they're at, address their needs, you're gonna get the best work out of them. They don't necessarily have to come to an office every day. I have a friend who just moved back to the East Coast from California and she is working for a Boston-based company but doesn't have to go in. So she decided to live in Maine. Wow. And how many of those employees are you going to have? And what does that mean for the workforce? How do you get that teamwork and collaboration that you would have if everyone was in the same place? Yeah. How do you make sure that people have what they need for technology and resources? Because I don't think it's going to be 40 hours a week yeah. in the workplace anymore. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and there are, a, yeah, there are a few things that's, that, that, that stand out from, from what you said. One of them is, uh, I'm, I'm tying this back to our conversation that I recently had with somebody in the podcast. She, she said, you know, work is not a noun, it's a verb, it's not, it's what you do, not where you do it from. And that it creates a whole new thinking, you know, in terms of what work truly means. And um, I, I hope it's liberating from a sense of, you know, more flexibility. And, and that to me is just uh, fascinating. And the second thing that you mentioned is equity. You know, it's uh, an equity means not everybody has to be, you know, th- thought of in the same way because they are all going through different experiences. And for a single individual with no kids, like for example, myself, you know, the way I should be considered, you know, from, from a work perspective is totally different than a single mother with three kids, for example, uh, whose kids now can't even go to school because the school is closed because of COVID, you know, things of the kind, I think that create a ver- uh, 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 creates a very interesting, uh, you know, um, sort of reality and an approach to rethinking the way we, we think. So. Right. And I would even add, you have to also consider that there are some positions that really can't be done 
remotely. Yeah, so absolutely. We're, we've all had the experience of going to a restaurant and having slow service because the yep. restaurants can't hire people. Yep. Um, and then that creates that creates two different workforces, yeah. correct? And you yeah. have to be very careful about if you're going to allow this person the, the quote unquote benefit of flexibility and working from home and this section of your population can't, then how do you, how do you at least try to make that equitable, yeah. right? So, and addressing that difference because what you wanna be very careful of if it's not leadership gets to do this and the workforce only gets this. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, what we know for a fact now is that number one, the future won't be boring. Uh, there's going to be a <laughs> lot of stuff to do, and number two, there's going to be a lot of rethinking to make sense of all the chaos and all the, uh, you know, the changing circumstances that that we are facing basically not even every day but every hour now so bandy thank you so much for spending this time with me in this wonderful conversation thank you so much thank you so much for having me enrique thank you and thank you everybody stay tuned for the next episode of the hacking hr podcast i will see you all soon thank you everybody for watching or listening to this podcast i hope you enjoyed the show please follow us on our social media and subscribe to our newsletter so that you can stay informed of all the things that we're putting together for you from the Hacking HR community. Thank you so much. Please continue to stay safe, stay well, stay strong, and we will see you soon.